Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we're broadcasting from the top of the Haven Building in Louisville, Kentucky. This is Forward Radio, WFMP-LP Louisville, 106.5 FM on your radio dial. And also, if you want to find out a little bit more about our station, you can go to forwardradio.org. And we're live streaming now, so if you go to that website, click on a button, you can listen to us anywhere in the city, anywhere in the county, anywhere in the state, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. So, uh, uh, folks, uh, I'm here in the studio with uh, my cousin, uh, uh, Margaret Payne. Welcome, Cousin Margaret. Thank you. And my cousin Margaret's granddaughter, uh, uh, Zora Smart. Say hello to the people. Hello. All right. So the reason they're in Louisville, uh, uh, Margaret is originally from Louisville, but they've come back to Louisville for a reason. Not just to visit me, but for a reason. Oh, by the way, my mother is in the audience as well, too. Uh, uh, hello. All right, great. That's June Owens. So, Cousin Margaret, t tell folks why you all decided to visit Louisville this particular time. We came this weekend for the dedication of the Bowman Bowman's Valley School Museum and Education Center uh, in Shepherdsville, Kentucky. The Bowman uh, Valley School is a two-room schoolhouse. It's the last remaining intact African-American schoolhouse in this multi-county region. The school was built in 1916. The original cost for the school, um, J.R. Ball was awarded a contract for $327 to build an American, uh, African-American schoolhouse. And four days later, the school board purchased a quarter acre of land from Mr. Bowman for the purpose of educating the African-American students in Bullitt County. The school served students uh, from first through eighth grade, a simple two-room style schoolhouse. The um, primary, one of the primary teachers was my aunt, Miss Maddie Owens, who later became the first black teacher in Bullitt County to teach an integrated class when schools were desegregated. The students had an outhouse. They got their water from a pump. And there is a pump um, in front of the schoolhouse now so that you can see where, what kind of facilities they had. The, the building is divided into two so that one side is an education center so that classes can come and visit, organizations can come and visit. Uh, and the other side of the class is set up as it was when the school was used from 19, around 1917 until 1954. The textbooks that were used, many will remember the old Dick and Jane books with the white students and the little dog. Uh, I went to school in Louisville at Phyllis Wheatley and we used those same textbooks. Um, but the students, came to that school and they learned. They were very organized. Uh, some of the teachers that were there were family members of us. Um, my Aunt Mary Ann Owens, um, Margaret Owens, 
Maddie Owens and Henry Owens all taught at that school at some time over the years, and my mom attended that school. Today, they dedicated it on the grounds of the Bullitt County Board of Education. And on the program were students who sang uh, the Negro National Anthem uh, from the Roby and Bullitt Central Choirs. And we were greeted by Lieutenant Governor Jacqueline Coleman, who, as you know, is the education governor for the state. Um, many of the students who attended um, Bowman Valley were there, and it was a good time to see everyone and to be together for a celebration. So I encourage you, if you have an opportunity, to visit the Bowman Valley School Museum on the grounds of the Bullitt County Board of Education. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's just, uh, I guess, uh, to let us know how, how far we have come. Uh, uh, folks were there uh, who were taught by uh, uh, Aunt, Aunt Maddie. Uh, uh, how far we have come and uh, just, you know, what people went through to get an education uh, in those days. So uh, now that's not the original location of the building. It was transported there. Right. And right. that was sort of a, a community event. It was transported uh, intact from its original location uh, to uh, where it sits now. Right. And it's, it was a 14-year process for the committee to get the school re relocated, rehabbed. At one point, it had no roof, um, and it had been a family home at some point after it was closed in the 50s. Um, and so this renovation process started around 1912, uh, around uh, 2012. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, yes, and uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, and it looks, you know, uh, uh, you know, 100 percent better since the last time I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And so, uh, if you go inside it, the uh, you know, every the walls are nice, the floor is nice, and it's it's sort of decorated with furniture and and historical pictures on the wall. Right, and also historical textbooks. And a pot-bellied stove, the coal-burning stove that was used to heat the school is inside. So you get a sense from um, what the students had to go through when they were in that building. Um, and again, the school went to eighth grade, so it was a multi-class uh, situation. So that the first graders were there, and the second graders were next to them, and the third graders, and the fourth graders. So students were able to learn from students who were older than them. Uh, and that was before you had specialized curriculum. But I will say that they announced that there is a curriculum that has been developed that fits with the Kentucky State standards uh, for s groups that visit the school. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Oh, uh, it had a very multicultural, diverse crowd uh, today. This earlier today, uh, this uh, this event happened on Friday, September the 30th, 2022, happened in Bullitt County in, uh, in Shepherdsville uh, at 10 a.m. And uh, outdoors, out in front of the school, very diverse crowd of uh, white and black and family members of uh, people who have been associated with the school. So it was just a nice event. And then... Uh, 
uh, you know, family members had a, uh, a reception at the Paraquet Par- uh, Conference Center uh, afterwards. Very nice. Uh, so, uh, so Margaret, uh, now there's some uh, other things that, you know, family members have been involved with, with education for a while. Of course, you uh, 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 were at Kent State for, for so many years yourself in the university system at a higher level. So you want to tell us a little bit about uh, that? Well, I will say that after I graduated from Central High School, I took a Greyhound bus to Kalamazoo College in Michigan, where I was one of a few black students um, that were recruited in the early 60s. I spent a year at the University of Sierra Leone in West Africa before the war started there, and that was life-changing. You know, you grow up in a black neighborhood, and you have all black teachers, and then you go to college, and there are no black faculty or staff. There was some clerical and janitorial staff at the school that were black. Um, And then you go to Sierra Leone and everybody is black. So for me, that was a life-changing experience. Um, After I finished Kalamazoo in psychology, I went to Kent State University. And I was there when the shootings occurred. Um, And and that was another seminal event in my life so folks who don't remember i believe was it 68 or 67 i'll say 1970 uh the students were protesting was it against the war and uh these were college students and then the national guard was called out right and for reason unbeknownst to anyone the national guard fired on the students that's correct and And several students were killed uh if you look at the historical uh, photos of that, you will see uh, a Louisvillian Dwayne White, whose dad was coach at Central, who was a student at Kent State at the time, and he was out um, next to one of the students who, who was, was injured or killed. I can't remember which one. Um, but that was something because most of the students were first generation. Um, there were a few students who were protesting, but the students who were out that day when the National Guard was called up before an election um, were not, most of them were, they were not participating in any protests. They were just going about their way. Uh, And I finished my master's at at Kent, did my doctoral work, started working in um, psychology and worked in administration and retired from there. So, uh, uh, and so now um, you have a, a, a daughter who's also involved with uh, education and has a new book out. Yes. Uh, my daughter is Maya Payne Smart, and you can find her at mayasmart.com. You can find her on Instagram at mayasmarty. And her book is called Reading for Our Lives, A Literacy Action Plan from Birth to Six. And it's a guide for parents. Her primary audience is African-American parents because we have historically, our reading for proficiency of our students has been 
in many ways the average has been subpar. So she has tips and tricks that parents can use from birth to six to help their students be ready for kindergarten and beyond because we want every black child in the country to be reading by third grade because once you get beyond that, you're reading for the content. They're not focused on teaching you how to read. And since the pandemic, lots of students haven't gotten the basics that they would have gotten in kindergarten because they were home. And so we, we are concerned that parents need to be aware of the things you can do at home with your students. You're their first and best teacher. And Maya's book, Reading for Our Lives, is a guide to help parents learn things they can do while they're changing diapers, giving baths, out walking, driving around. Parents are very busy, they're stressed, and so they don't have time to sit down and go through a specific curriculum. But she has tips that you can use so that you can help make sure that your children are ready when they get to school. Because there are things that are happening during the first three years of life that are in terms of brain development that are very critical to making sure that your students have what they need in order to be successful at reading. And many Americans, adults now, are functionally illiterate. And we need to make sure that our African-American students are well prepared for reading, for reading. Reading is a key to liberation. And that's what this book is all about. It also talks about the importance of having conversations with your infants and toddlers. When they're babbling, you talk to them, they're picking up things from the language, they're picking up vocabulary, even though they can't speak. When you're having that interaction with them, you're helping to develop the circuits in their brain that help them when they're learning to read. So folks, we're here in the studio. This, uh, this You're listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens. So we're here in the studio with uh, 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 my cousin Margaret Payne, her uh, granddaughter uh, Zora Smart, and my mother June Owens. And we're talking about a variety of things related to education today education so uh this so happened uh you know uh margaret uh both you and, and my mom went to the, the legendary central high school uh <laughs> at, at uh, a few years separated so what was that experience like uh, going to central oh it was great i mean it you know i w when i was there central was still predominantly black i think there were a couple of white students who were brave enough to come to central uh, right after desegregation, but it was still predominantly black. And I'll have to say that among the teachers that I had, uh, Lyman T. Johnson, who you may know, a great civil Legendary rights leader. Figure. Yes, integrated the University of Kentucky um, graduate you know, program. He was instrumental. He made sure that we knew how to vote. I turned 18 while I was at Central. So I was at, he made sure that we knew how to vote. He had them bring voting machines to Central so that we knew um, how to use them. 
and I have not missed an election. Even when I was in Africa, I got an absentee ballot. So, so. folks out there who uh, uh, look up uh, Lyman T. Johnson, uh, very impressive figure, very important figure uh, in the history of black Louisville and Louisville, particularly in the in Louisville's version of the civil rights movement, because uh, since we didn't really have a, you know, in a lot of other cities, you had the black college students doing the protesting. Right. But because we didn't have sort of a full-service black college in Louisville, uh, they were high school students with adult mentors. They were doing a lot of the protesting and, right. and, and demonstrating for civil rights. So uh, uh, look him up. Uh, read up on him. Very important person uh, in the history of Louisville. I do remember when I first started getting involved in things, uh, the ACLU of Kentucky had a meeting when they were still had their office on Muhammad Ali Boulevard, and and Lyman Johnson and Susie Post were in there, and I felt mm. it kind of made me feel like a grown up because I was having like grown up conversations with uh, Lyman Johnson and Susie Post, and they've both passed on now. Uh, but yes, uh, uh, very important uh, figure. So uh, so uh, besides uh, Mr. Mr. Lyman T. Uh, so who did who who did you uh, uh, look up to back back when you were coming up, Margaret? Oh, oh, you're asking me something. I'm trying to remember, remember names. Um, Atwood Wilson was the principal when I was there. Um, I remember oh, the. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember. I, I just remember that I had um, women who were my math teachers, and I went when I went to college, I was going to be a math teacher. Uh, and then I took a psychology course, and statistics grabbed my attention, and I switched my major to psychology. But I thought women taught math, and men taught physics and chemistry because of my experience at Central. Um, and I know that there is an all-alumni class reunion for Central coming up, but you'll have to go to Central's website to get the details on that. So, folks, for uh, that Central for a long time was sort of the only black public school, uh, at least for people who lived in the city. Right. And then you had... Uh, I'm a, Catholic High School. You had Catholic High School. That's where my father went. Uh and then, so black females could go to Loretta High School, which was Catholic. Is that correct? I'm not real sure. Uh, yeah. Well, I know some did, but, uh, uh, but uh, I'm talking about it in the 40s, 50s. So, and uh, but uh, but there was a residential school out at Lincoln Institute. Lincoln Institute, yeah. Yes, for people who lived in the rural areas to to right. to to yeah. go to school, a black school, but. Uh, uh, just as a note, uh, uh, Lyman Johnson, of course, had a master's degree all those years ago before he went to UK because uh, there was a program, as I understand it, because the day law, uh, you know, blacks couldn't go to, for instance, uh, U of K or right. U of L or any right. of those schools to get any further education. So they had to go up north. Uh, right to get uh, training. So you had blacks who, 
who had master's degree from from IU or Wisconsin or someplace who would come back to Louisville. And so a lot of times the teachers at Central High School were actually better educated than the teachers in some of the white schools. That's correct. And Um, Yeah, I I would say that because of the the day law, um, Berea College was integrated. Mm -hmm. And the day law forced um, Berea to become segregated. And Lincoln Institute then was created. Um, And my mom's youngest brother went to Lincoln Institute. My aunts, some of them went to Central because they could live with my grandfather's sister who lived in Louisville because there was not a high school in Bullitt County for colored people. Mm -hmm. Um, But... So they would have to go to either Lincoln right. or, 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 or... And and the state would pay for them to get master's degrees someplace else rather than integrate the University of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So that was the dynamic at the time. And so the black teachers were very proud of being teachers. Uh, they saw, they knew they were in a key role in society. And they, as, as I understand, did everything they could do to prepare the students to be dignified members of society, whether or not they were quote unquote professionals or not. That's correct. And and so, uh, uh, so Central High School just produced uh, a lot of just good, good people, you know, whether they became doctors or lawyers or not, they just produced good people for society. Uh, So, uh, uh, so, uh, so, uh, cousin, uh, you've had the opportunity to live in a variety of places and uh, overseas as well. So, what do you see on the horizon? Uh, you're living in Milwaukee now, uh, so uh, after living living in other places. So, what do you see out there? I think that we have some tough times ahead. I'm I'm encouraging everybody to get everybody in their family to get out and vote. The whole ticket, know who's on the ballot from the bottom to the top and vote because we're seeing things go back generations to things the way things were before. Um, and it's important for us to be up to date on redistricting and on voting in every single election. That's the most important mm-hmm. thing. We, we have now dispersed, you know, so we don't have the segregated neighborhoods that we used to have. So people are spread out. So it's very important that you know who's on the ballot, no matter where you're living. Because what happens is if you follow the money, the people who are elected make the decisions on where your tax dollars are going. And if you don't follow the money, you don't know what things are being supported and what things are not. In public education especially, it's important that we know where the money is going. I know you have charter schools, and many of them are very good, but there are also schools that if the kids don't meet certain behavioral standards, they're going to get kicked out. And where do they go? They go back to the public schools. So you've got to keep your eye on the whole education system, the whole education system. Well, I will say, uh, as far as Jefferson County Public Schools, uh, I spent uh, six years in uh, Catholic school and six years in public school. You can get a better education now in Jefferson County Public Schools 
pretty much than you uh, uh, that, that as any time in history. But the parent has to be a, a very good navigator of the system right. because the parent has to be aware of you know, wh what each school has to offer and what each program is. And you have to go to all these open houses and understand, uh, you know, because you can get a, you can go to Shawnee High School and get a private pilot's license for free. You can go to Shawnee High School and get an airframe and power plant certificate for free. There's, uh, you can go to some high schools here and get two years of college credit for free. But you have to know that. Uh, the parent has to know that. You can't just throw your kid at JCPS and say, hey, hope for the best. Right. It doesn't, you know, because there's so many opportunities at different schools. You have to understand all of that. Uh, and if you feel that you don't have the information, use the resources that are in the community, organizations, um, pediatricians, um, church groups, Get help. Build your own network so that you can make sure that your ch child gets the best education possible. And your public, your taxes are paying for it. So you need to be an advocate for your children and know what resources are available because there are lots of resources. Um, the Urban League, the NAACP, um, the fraternities, the sororities all have youth programming. And if you're aware of those, then you can make sure that your child gets the best start in life possible. Yes, indeed. So, folks, uh, uh, you're listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens. Uh, this is WFMP-LP Louisville, 106.5 FM. Uh, if you want to listen to us uh, 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 on the web, uh, on the World Wide Web, you can go to forwardradio.org, and we're live streaming now. So you can click on a button and listen to us uh, anywhere in the city, anywhere in the state, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. So, folks, uh, I'm here with uh, Margaret Payne, uh, my cousin, her granddaughter, uh, uh, Zora Smart, and my mom is in the studio as well, and talking about a variety of issues related to education. Uh, uh, you know, I always enjoyed, uh, well, I will say I enjoyed college and graduate school. Uh, uh, you know, those were some of the best times of my life. I enjoyed school. I mean, uh, uh, I do recall I was uh, at, a, at a ACLU of Kentucky mailing party, old-fashioned, before <laughs> the pandemic, and one of their interns came in. And, uh, and so, you know, whenever a teenager comes in, you, the first thing you say is, how's school? You know, you just say it. And she said she was so poised. She said, well, uh, I don't think high school is my place. I'm waiting to go to college. She was so <laughs> poised. Uh, 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 so, uh, 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 I w you know, all credit to her. She's very articulate in that. So. And that's interesting to me. She was just waiting to go to college. <laughs> so, oh, well, all right. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, uh, yeah. But, uh, uh, so, uh, but for people who do or don't go to college, we want them to have the best experience they can in, uh, in, uh, in K through 12 and uh, have a lot of good memories and enjoyable experiences, whether it's from, you know, uh, 
or clubs or sports or you know learning something of you know, that they can use in a profession uh, uh, later on. But we still want them to know you know enough to be good 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 citizens. Uh, right. You know, understand how society works. So uh, you know being college or career ready. That's sort of the phrase now that uh, that everyone is using. And, uh, you know, we all fully support that. There are lots of careers that result in well-paying jobs that allow you to support a family that do not require you to have a college degree. But you do need to learn some specific skills. And you can get those from specific programs in your high school and um, the community and and colleges have two-year programs that equip you to be job ready because you need to think long term. Um, the first job I had was the only one I knew that existed when I went to college. Every job I had after that first year were jobs that I found out about after I was out in the workforce. Folks, I want to thank uh, uh, Margaret Payne for being here with us today and I want to thank uh, uh